listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a clap, an ovation, if you will. Why am I doing that? I'll tell you why. Because the New York Knicks got another all-star. That's what I'm talking about, man. Julius friggin' Randall. Congratulations to Julius Randall making his second all-star team. He is a two-time all-star now. Regardless of how you want to see this man, whether you're in the camp of his value getting higher or you just like Julius Randall as a player and you think he's on a value contract deal, this is amazing news for you. It validates all the people who believe in him. It also validates the people who want to trade him because his value is just continuing to skyrocket. I'm on the fence in terms of trading because I don't believe you're going to be able to get equal value. And if you're not going to be able to get equal or significant value back for Randall, I don't see the necessary part of a trade. I'm not opposed to trading Randall, but there is no way in hell that I am trading Randall for anything less than something that makes the Knicks significant. He had just made another all-star game. This is his second. This is his second all-star bid in his career, both times as a New York Nick. That's insane. Extreme props to Julius Randle for doing this because I said he was going to have a breakout year. I said he was going to come back stronger before the season started, but I didn't expect this. And if you, you're saying that you expected this type of play, you got to be lying and kidding to yourself. Because after the season he had last year, where people wanted to trade him for Gary Harris, shout out to my man Eddie, to now where his value has skyrocketed to such a point where you have to think about legitimate all-stars to trade Randall for to get somebody back with because that's how significant he's made himself as part of this Knicks team. Playing for the New York Knicks this season, Julius Randle is averaging 24.7 points, 10.8 rebounds, and 4.1 assists. He is shooting efficiently as well, too. His defense is better than it's been in his entire career, but here is the biggest tick. I said 10.8 rebounds, right? The man is a rebounding demon. He is rebounding shots like nobody's business. And... That's not what happened last year. It wasn't even the case last year. He was getting rebounds last year, but they weren't what I call impactful rebounds. An impactful rebound is a rebound in traffic, a rebound when you're boxing somebody out and grabbing it from them. That's an impactful rebound. I felt last year he was getting rebounds that were just bouncing to him, that were coming to him, that nobody was around him to grab. So they were empty. I didn't like that. This year, he's looking like a completely different player. He's playing better than his COVID year. He is being exactly what you need this Knicks team to be. And he's being the leader that we always wanted him to be. His body language looks different. 
He's meditating before games. He has a routine in him. He's doing things differently this season. And I have to show my respect for it because nobody thought that would happen. To go from getting booed in the garden to getting cheered in the garden to now getting your second all-star bid as a New York Nick. It's just amazing. It really, really is. No matter how you feel about Randall right now, today's a great day to be a New York Nick because we finally got one of ours in the all-star game, albeit as a reserve, but we still got Randall as an all-star this year. I am so extremely excited as a Nick fan, but I am also so very happy for Julius Randle, who nobody thought could get here, and he got here. Shout out to you, Julius. I thought you did phenomenal this season. I think you're going to continue to do phenomenal. There's a couple of areas you still need to clean up. I can say that about a lot of people on the team, but you have been a significant and extremely impactful player for this Knicks team this season, and I don't see that changing for the remainder of the season. Congratulations, Julius. I really, really, really am happy for you, brother. Let's go into the all-star game, though, and talk about, you know, who the all-stars are. So for the East, we have Giannis, who's the captain. Kevin Durant, who should be playing, although he had an MCL sprain. I think he's coming back soon, so he should be in the game. I know a lot of people were asking about that. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving. And for the West, you got LeBron James, who's also been named the captain. Uh, Nikolai Jokic, obviously. Zion Williamson, Steph Curry, and Luka Donich as your West Conference starters. Then you got for the East Reserves, you got Bam Adebayo. You got Jalen Brown. You got DeMar DeRozan. Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and our guy, Julius Randall. And then for the West, you have Paul George, SGA, Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, Laurie Markinen, John Morant, and Sabonis from the Kings. That is your all-stars for this year. You saw me pause a little bit when I got to DeRozan, right? Let's talk about it. We're here. Jalen Brunson, my opinion, one of the best free agent signings the Knicks have had in the last decade. My opinion, and stats prove this as well, too. The One of the most, if not the most, impactful player to the Knicks. Let me bring up a certain stat here. Julius Randle was putting up these same type of numbers last year. Didn't make an all-star. It didn't lead to winning. Julius Randle is not a closer. Julius Randle is the guy you can go to for pretty much maybe all three quarters to have you stay in the game. He's that type of player. But if we're talking about in the clutch, if we're talking about in the fourth quarter, if we're talking about when you need a bucket, that's Jalen Brunson, in my opinion. If money's on the line and I need somebody to take that last shot, it's not going to be RJ, even though he's done well with those shots. It's not going to be Randall. It's going to be JB. Because whether you like it or not, he's helped us win more than he's helped us lose. Sure, there are a couple of games that he missed some key free throws, didn't make some key buckets, forced some shots. Absolutely. I can go back to those games with you and rewatch them and tell you that. But the reason we are in a lot of these games, the reason why these games are so manageable and winnable is because of Jalen Brunson. He is impactful to winning. 
That's the difference with the Knicks team this year. They're actually winning this year and winning in a conference that is stacked. East is more stacked this year than it's ever been before. And Jalen Brunson came here as the captain, as the leader, the ship writer, and got this Knicks team to seventh in the East. Not by himself because it's a collective effort, but he's the major piece addition that you added to this team in the offseason that's led to this. That's all-star shit. Impacting winning, putting up the numbers he's been putting up, career highs and nearly damn near everything, and you're not an all-star? And you put DeMar DeRozan over Jalen Brunson? And I believe in terms of the standings right now, the Chicago Bulls are 10th with a record of 24 and 27. The Knicks have a record of 28 and 25. Jalen Brunson's team is winning more because of him. And DeMar DeRozan is voted into the All-Star game as a reserve over Jalen Brunson. That shit's robbery, bro. It's robbery. All respect to DeMar, who's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. And of course, you know, he's a mid-range assassin as well. But so is JB. And if we're talking about the game and we're talking about impact to winning being a criteria for somebody being part of the All-Star game, then why in the damn world is DeMar DeRozan over there over Jalen Brunson? It doesn't make sense. Jalen Brunson was robbed, deserved the All-Star, didn't get it. And it pisses me off. He should have got it. Shout out to you, JB. You were robbed. You deserve it. But guess what, man? I hope you play like nobody's business when you come back and shut everybody up and show the league why you are an all-star. Because I'll guarantee you one thing. All of New York believes it. All of us believe it. There's a theory going out there about Jalen Brunson that he after verifying he wasn't going to make the all-star game kind of had a quote-unquote non-COVID illness and didn't play there's some people talking about that and here's the reason why I just want to put the other side out there because if you look at it it is a little sus but I'll, I'll get into that so Jalen Brunson was announced that he was not playing I believe by Ian Bailey first at 6.55 p.m. That's when that first report came out. That first tweet was sent. And about 20 minutes after that, about 7.05, maybe even 10 minutes, actually, 7.05, 7.07, uh, the reserves were announced. Jalen Brunson obviously didn't make it. And then about maybe 10 minutes after that, when Hoop Hypes uh, posts on Instagram, who should have been an all-star, Jalen Brunson comments his own name, Jalen Brunson. So if you look at that sequence, you kind of look at it and you're like, that's that's a little weird that it kind of worked out that way. And if you look at it that way, yeah, it looks suspect. And shout out to my man Smooth for putting that out so eloquently to me because I kind of saw it, but I didn't see it exactly that way until we started talking about it uh, on his um, space. So I appreciate the platform for me being able to do that and get an understanding to that. That being said, and I said it on the space, I don't agree with that, man. Listen, I get it. Jalen Brunson wasn't even on the bench. When he's out, at least he's on the bench if he can be. The fact that he is out, the fact that we know JB would rather play versus not play. We know how tough he is in terms of being that leader and wanting to always be impactful for the Knicks and play when he can. I don't think Jalen Brunson would healthy-wise say, yeah, I don't want to play tonight because I didn't make it. 
I don't think he would be that person to give an excuse to why he can't play or why he shouldn't play or whatever the case may be. He's proven time and time again this entire season that he is an all-star level player because he does all-star level shit. And he is always, always trying to get into every game he can to play. So because of all of those things put together and just the character that I've seen JB show me throughout these, you know, throughout the entire season, really, I can't co-sign that JB voluntarily healthy said he wasn't going to play because that doesn't doesn't make sense to Jalen Brunson. So I can't co-sign that again. I look at both sides. It's a little weird. I already admitted that, but I don't believe that's the case. We're going to definitely know more as uh, Saturday comes up and Sunday comes up because the Knicks have a weekend full of basketball that we are going to get. So if you are a little bit sad that you thought you didn't have enough basketball, well, guess what? Knicks are playing on Saturday and Sunday. Double dose for y'all. So we'll get to that. Uh, But let's get to R.J. Barrett. Because I really, really want to talk about R.J. Barrett. We were talking about the um, Miami game um, yesterday. And I want to kind of just pull that together because it, it... you know, kind of pulls into R.J. Barrett. So the Miami game, we were down Jalen Brunson and we were down Mitchell Robinson, two of our most impactful players that the Knicks currently have. Impactful on defense is Robinson. Impactful on offense is uh, Jalen Brunson. And also he can take the occasional charge uh, as well. He's a leader in that regard. So that's good. We beat the Heat, a fully healthy Heat team, without two of our most impactful players. Now, was the game, you know, close? Yeah, the game was close. It was 104 to 106. Bam Adebayo was going off. Tyler Hero was hitting some key shots. He wasn't doing everything he wanted to do. He was missing some shots. But, you know, late down the stretch, he was hitting shot after shot after shot. And as every time we had a big lead, 10-point lead, 8-point lead, whatever the case may be, that he would just knock down a couple threes and, you know, get back into the game. So it was scary down there. And you could tell we didn't really have a closer we don't really have a closer. If Jalen Brunson's not on the squad, he's our closer. You don't have to like it, but that's the case. He, If money's on the line right now and you're a Knicks fan and the next shot makes it wins, which Nick are you having to shoot it if your money's on the line? Because I know damn sure for me it'd be Jalen Brunson. Would not be any one of those other guys. It'd be Jalen Brunson for me. But you didn't have Jalen Brunson. You didn't have a closer yesterday. And they still managed to beat the sixth seeded Heat team that they are behind in the standings right now. So it's an impactful game. It's an important game. We absolutely needed to win this game if we're going to make any type of playoff contention noise because we keep losing, winning, losing, winning. We got to put it together a string of wins again. We can't keep doing this flip-flopping of losing wins. It just doesn't work. It won't work. So we got to get better with that regard. Winning against Miami, being down two of our key players is a huge win, is a quality win. And a win that I am very proud of. R.J. Barrett was huge in this game. The game prior to facing the Heat, R.J. Barrett was benched in the fourth quarter and overtime against the Lakers. Didn't play for the last, I think, 11 plus minutes. Had no comment for media when he was uh, when he was uh, available for comment. They didn't, he didn't want to give one. He has nothing to say is what his quote was. And didn't say anything. I don't, I mean, I didn't see him post that much stuff on social. Maybe I'm not following as hard as you guys are, but I didn't see too much negativity post on his side. Here's what I did see though. 
41 minutes. 30 points. 13 of 23. 56%. Eight rebounds. Four assists. After being benched. One of the key reasons we won this game was Rowan. R.J. Barrett. Rowan Alexander. R.J. Barrett. That's who I am speaking about. Hate on my young man as much as you want. Hate on my young 22-year-old. Go ahead. Not me. Nope. You can't pay me enough to hate on my young man. I'll call it like I see it. When Arj is having a bad, bad game, he's having a bad game. And I'm going to call his ass out. Best believe I'm calling out RJ Barrett if he has a shitty ass game. Just like I would do for Randall, for Brunson, or for anybody. When he has a good game, I'm not going to hide from it either. This is one of his most efficient games and his most productive games that I've seen in a very long time. What's also been clear to me is RJ Barrett shouldn't shoot another fucking three again in his entire, for the rest of the season, actually. I want him to attack, attack, and attack. He's had success attacking because surprisingly, like we didn't know this already, motherfucker is brawly. He's strong. Okay, he's going to bully you in there because of his strength. He can get to his spots and positions better now because of the added strength that he's developed over the course of his career. He needs to utilize that. I get it. He's in love with the three sometimes. Stop. Stop, bro. 13 to 23. Because you were driving the entire time. And guess what? If he makes his free throws at an 85% clip or higher, this man is averaging 25 points per game without shooting a damn three. He can do that. That's how capable of a scorer he is when he has the ball in his hands and he's driving to the paint. Has the ball in his hands. Key point there. Jalen Brunson, my brother, for every good thing that you do, my only negative towards you is that you don't get others involved early. Emmanuel quickly even does that a little better than you do. Sometimes you, you veer too much into the shooting guard role and not enough into the point guard role in terms of your assists and getting the offense flowing. And I'm not saying your assist numbers have to increase because technically speaking, quickly had a four assist game yesterday. It's not a high assist game, right? However, he was passing the ball. He was moving the ball. So the offense was flowing a little better because of the ball movement. And he's the one initiating that. That's why it's different. Jalen has to do the same thing. It'll open up the floor for everybody, including Jalen, to get a lot more role and a lot more penetration opportunity if he just passes the ball around. And R.J. Barrett can thrive, it seems like, if given the opportunity with the ball in his hands. I don't know what Tom Thibodeau is going to do, but if I'm the coach and I saw what I saw yesterday, I'm very much thinking that some that during some stretch of the game, I'm not going to put Brunson in, and I'm going to have R.J. and Randall out there together with a couple of other pieces surrounding them and have R.J. more or less primarily pay the point and have him distribute and have him run inside and penetrate and pass out or kick out, whatever the case may be, because he's having success at it. I'm not saying he should replace JB as a freaking point guard, but if you know that's something you can go to and it's going to help RJ thrive, then do it. That's exactly what you should be doing. RJ had himself a game yesterday. Don't get it twisted. Don't blink. Don't think it's fiction. Don't not try to give my man props.
a young man, 22 years old, just got his first contract. Didn't really even get paid on that contract yet. Don't start till after the season. And we're coming at this man's head each and every single game. And sometimes it's warranted, and I get it. But when it's a positive game and a positive time, you got to come out too. Why is so many negative people come out when RJ has a bad game? And when he has a good game, everybody... Shh. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You want to be quiet when he has good games? And you want to be loud when he has bad games? What kind of shit is that? Shout out to RJ Barrett. Had an incredible game. Incredible game. Despite even the two turnovers that almost cost us the game. Because I don't only look at two points of a game. I look at the entire game collectively. So I think collectively you can say he had an incredible game. Especially after being benched the game before, and then coming back and dropping 30. That's impressive to me. I don't know why it's not impressive to y'all, but it's damn sure impressive to me because that's how he responded to that. And I love that. It shows his desire, his passion, his grit for being in New York, for being a Nick. I love that shit. Let's go, RJ, man. I'm proud of you. I know a lot of other people are as well, too. Don't listen to the haters, bro. Keep doing you. Keep playing your style of ball. Things are going to fall into place, brother. Things will fall into place. Let me also bring up a, a quick thing about this Miami game. I said it on the space yesterday, too. I just want to bring it up again. MSG. New York. New York Knicks fans. We got to do better, man. Yesterday, when the Heat called a challenge on a Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo um, play, and I think we all saw the replay and we knew that Bam didn't foul Julius. Julius just got out of control and fell with the ball. We knew the challenge was going to be won by the Heat. So I was already prepared for that. Was not prepared to hear the garden, the mecca of basketball, the place that I call one of the best arenas in the country to play basketball. Madison Square Garden, home to the New York Knicks. And we have nearly the entire arena cheering after the Heat win a challenge? What the fuck are we doing? This is Madison Square Garden. You are Nick fans. What the fuck is going on that I'm hearing cheers like we're at an away game in the garden? Y'all should be ashamed, ashamed of yourself to hear cheers in the garden when an opposing team has made a successful challenge is despicable, disgusting, nasty, bro. Like, you see my face? I'm disgusted. <clears throat> I'm disgusted even talking about this. That this even has to be a topic on my pod. Madison Square Garden, MSG. Y'all got to do better. Those fucking cheers. <clears throat> Those fucking cheers I heard. For an opposing Miami Heat team. And if you guys remember the rivalry the Heat and Knicks had. To see them motherfuckers get cheered. Made me fucking sick. 
Y'all should be hella ashamed of yourselves. Have more pride in your team. Have more pride in New York. Have more pride in the Knicks. Fucking disgusting, bro. Nasty. Let's move on to something else that's nasty. I'm not going to talk about this man anymore after I speak about him right now. Cam Reddish. I'm going to say this up front before I even get into the story and I make some comments on it, but I'm just going to say this right now. Cam Reddish absolutely should be playing for the Knicks right now. He fills a need immediately, gives us an upgrade to the bench immediately. And regardless whether you like Cam or you hate Cam, there is no excuse for not playing a healthy Cam Reddish when you have nothing besides IQ on your bench as a scoring, defensive, rebounding threat. He fills a void. He fits a need. Plays one of the most coveted positions in the league as a wing. Has a hell of an offensive upside. And should be playing. Should be playing in the NBA. Should be playing in the league. Needs to be playing for somebody who believes in him and will develop him. Guarantee that man goes to the Lakers. He might have a Rui type of role and might be able to thrive even better in it because I believe he's a better talent than Rui Hachimura is. Personally speaking, there's a reason the Lakers wanted him too. And if the Lakers didn't get Rui and got Cam, you see Cam doing what Rui's doing right now. Maybe even a little bit more better because LeBron James would probably believe in that young man even more, give him more power, give him more passes. That's really what that man needs. Reddish needs somebody to believe in him, develop him, and have his back. He don't got that in New York by nobody. Told an assistant coach that he didn't like the way Tom Thibodeau was handling him and using him. That somehow got to Tom Thibodeau. Reddish didn't play another game as a Nick after. That's a dictatorship, bro. If you can't speak your mind or express how you feel without consequences of, you know, getting fired, getting benched, not playing, whatever the case may be, that's a dictatorship. So what are you supposed to do? Shut the fuck up and do what you're told and not say anything? Even if you don't like something, even if you think something could be better if you're utilized differently. And he's not, I don't, again, I don't know the whole story, but it didn't seem like he came in an aggressive manner or anything like that. Sound like he just said, hey, listen, man, look, I, I love playing for the Knicks, but, you know, I don't feel like I'm being used right. I think I maybe should be using these scenarios and these scenarios. Not the Tom Thibodeau. He didn't like that. Even in a press interview recently, he said that him or Cam are fine. Didn't say that situation didn't happen. Didn't say that, you know, he was upset with Cam and benched him or that's the reason why Cam was benched. He just said him and Cam are all right. And I believe that. I think Cam Reddish and Tom Thibodeau are on civil terms and they are, quote unquote, all right. But you don't want to be all right with one of your players. You want to be in tune with that player, in line with that player, understanding what's happening with that player. Guarantee that the relationship he has with Reddish doesn't even come close to the relationship he has with RJ, with Randall, with Rose, with some of these other key players that he plays and favors. There's a difference there. Players talk. The league is watching. Everybody sees it. And maybe people don't believe this, but when it comes down to free agency, sometimes it's about how am I going to get used? Because sometimes you're going to get the money sometimes regardless of where you go. But it's where you can make an impact and play your style of ball. And if you think you go to the Knicks 
and you're going to have to play more system ball than your style of ball, that might deter you from coming to the Knicks. We saw Obi Toppin yesterday shoot a turnaround jumper. I never even knew he had that shit in his bag. Step back three a couple games before that. Never knew he had that in his bag. Because Tom Thibodeau plays very system basketball. So you can't really go against the system because if you do, as your role in that system, your cog in that system, if you take yourself out of it and try to do your own thing, you're going to get pulled or benched. At least it seems that way. Not everybody, but certain players do. So you got to play your own style of ball so you don't get benched. The problem is, these players sometimes don't thrive in system basketball. I think Obi Toppin is one of those players that can't thrive in system basketball. He thrives in being a runner. He thrives in being a cutter. And he thrives in being able to play his own game. There's a reason he was so successful in Dayton. Because he was able to run his own type of play style and game. The coach had faith in him and believed in him. That's what Obi Toppin needs for the NBA. He's come into the NBA and doesn't even do half the things he was doing in Dayton. Now, a lot of people tell me that's because he's not as strong, so he can't do that against these NBA players. I think it's because he's not being utilized in that way. He's being told he has to stand in the corner or run around the corner or be you know, a contributor uh, from the corner in terms of hitting a three. Again, I don't know all the conversations that are happening, and I'm not saying Obi Top has been perfect. There's a lot of things we can talk about with his game and what he's done. But, you know, I'm just proving a point here that sometimes system basketball doesn't work for everybody. And maybe it didn't work for it doesn't work for uh, Obi Toppin. At least in my opinion, it doesn't. And I don't think it works for Cam. And I think Cam has a lot of upside. And I feel so upset that we're never going to know what that upside is because he's never going to play for us again. But that's the whole situation with Cam Reddish. I'm done with it, man. I really am. I don't want to talk about it no more. I, I put my last graphic on Cam uh, yesterday with the uh, line, hate is going to hate. You could take that however you want to. But um, I don't want to talk about Reddish no more. He should be playing. He's not playing. He's not going to be a Nick. He's going to be traded. I don't know for who. I don't know for what. But he's going to be traded. Likely next week. And that's just that. Fucking sad. All right. So uh, preview for this weekend. As I said, the Knicks do not play a Friday game. So no Friday night New York Knicks, unfortunately. But full weekend of games. First game is on Saturday where the Knicks take on the Clippers at 7 p.m. That's going to be a very, very, very good game. If you guys didn't see before, the Clippers blew out the Milwaukee Bucks. Great to hear the game before we play them. Awesome. Let's see what happens with that game. Um, that game is really going to come down to who plays. If the Clippers don't have their, you know, quote-unquote stars, they're probably going to struggle that game. So I think that game is winnable, but it depends on who's playing um, for the Clippers and who the Knicks are going to have. So we'll see, but that game is a little bit more winnable to me, in my opinion. Then we go to Sunday, 6 p.m. start time, February 5th, for everybody who's uh, listening or watching. 76ers versus the Knicks. Y'all remember that Christmas game? I know I do. That was a very tough game to watch. Saw a lot of lead slips, and then I saw a huge, nearly a blowout when it came to the second half. We don't got Mitchell Robinson. I am fucking scared about the game on Sunday against the Sixers. Because out of those two games, the one game we probably are nearly an automatic to lose 
might be that 76ers game. I say nearly automatic because I think every team has a chance. But if no Mitch, and you're telling me Joel Embiid is going to have to deal with Sims and Hartenstein, man might just fuck around and drop 50. It's scary. Joel is for real. I don't think you guys understand. He is for real. Harden and him are for real. They play a very dynamic duo together. It's great to watch if you're a Philly fan. It's terrifying to watch if you're an opposing team. The Knicks are going to have their hands full against that Sixers team. They're going to have to control the paint as hard as that going to be. And they're going to have to, you know, play man-on-man defense to close out on shooters because they got a lot of them. And if JB doesn't play and Maxi does play and start, I would love to see quickly also get that start again and see how that looks. Because I think that matchup of IQ versus uh, Tyrese Maxi, especially at this point of their career, it'd be a great little matchup to watch and see. And I think they would be up for it and have a, you know, kind of a, a little rivalry between them. I know they're friends, but a friendly rivalry in terms of, all right, you want to come in? You want to come to my town? Let's do it. Let's play ball. Let's see what you got. I'm here for it, man. I love things like that. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a good stretch of uh, games coming up. I like the fact that we got New York Knicks basketball for the weekend. It's rare when that happens. So I want to appreciate that. I hope all of you guys are blessed living your best lives and doing the best things for you. Um, I was out last week uh, because I was a little sick. So I apologize for the episode not dropping. Um, and also, I'm creating a lot more graphics. If you guys um, see that on Twitter, just be sure to like and reshare that because it really, really does help the tw- Twitter algorithm. Do that on Instagram as you can as well, too, because, again, it helps their particular al- algorithm. And if you could also like and share this video, that would also help this algorithm. Thumbs up as well, too, if you like what you heard. And if you didn't like what you heard, please leave a comment. And I'd love to hear from you guys and talk with you guys. Uh, If you guys don't know, I host a weekly Twitter space from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturdays where we talk basketball, not narratives, basketball. We have a list of questions. We go through them. Everybody gives their take on it. And it's a really enjoyable place if you want to talk Knicks basketball. We also give out the take of the week award which means that you know if your take is the best take of all the speakers that day, you will be clipped and featured not only on the podcast, but on Twitter, Instagram, and all of my social media accounts. So it's a great opportunity for anybody who wants to get you know a little bit more recognition, their name out there, and also speak ball and Nick. So it's a great way to do that. Definitely join me on that. Until next time, though, Nick fans, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Take care of yourselves. Be blessed. The Knicks just beat the heat, and I'm so happy about it. Peace out, guys. Three, two, one, yeah. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.